Let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money move. You can't see me. My what up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host, back with another installment of Your Four, featuring co-host Brandon. What's up? What's happening? A lot, man. Well, actually, yeah, a lot. <laughs> Today's been fucked. Hey, man, it's been one of those days today, hasn't it? But uh, we, we made a promise to ourselves, because uh, we practice what we preach in this podcast. We made a promise to ourselves that we were going to get this podcast done today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just about to go 5 p.m. And we're like, fuck it, we're getting the podcast done today. Uh, and I'm excited to get this done because they're the four questions we have today. Man, the, your four questions just keep getting better and better. Yeah, They really do. We've got a question today about entrepreneurship. We've got a question and uh, specifically about fitness. We got a question specifically about marriage relationships, and then we got a question specifically about personal developments. So we got a whole. We're literally fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. It's we're doing whole, everything that we promise. Got the whole uh, intro in there. We got the whole intro. Um, Brandon, before we get started, can I um, can I take the opportunity to just give a little plug? Sure. Real quick. Is that all right? Cool. <laughs> Asking you for permission. Um, we're, man, only, look, we're only shameless plug. What we think will bring value. No, well, that's a hundred percent. You know, I'm not going to plug anything. Like you guys know, like we just don't plug anything on this podcast. We never. We're not. Can you believe this is episode 98? Yeah. Just a little side note. Insane. Man, a few more episodes. We at we at the we at the ton. Century. We at the triple figures. And then we got to decide. It's funny because I'm about to go down this tangent, but fuck <laughs> it, we're here already. Um, I've been giving some thought to as I do at the end of every year what we want to do with all of our content in the new year. And obviously this podcast is a big part of our content. We pull the the podcast, we pull a whole bunch of motivational clips and videos and all, all sorts of um, content that you guys see out of this podcast. And so I've started to think, okay, what does the next evolution of the podcast look like? And it's funny because that's like overlaid with us getting, getting to triple figures, 100 mm-hmm. episodes. It's almost like the... Um, the, uh, it's almost like Project Eclipse V2 yeah. <laughs> from a content creation perspective. It's like an alignment Start of the universe. Aligning, I don't know, man, because I know you've been giving it some thought too. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Episode 100, man, something. Yeah. Big. yeah. Well, I guess you guys will just have to stay tuned to see what we end up doing. But anyway, back to my shameless plug um, that will bring value to you guys. Uh, something that's been in the pipeline for quite some time, I've um, been working on my personal website. Uh, and it's something a, a lot of you guys have, have asked about. And really, the, uh, what I want to do is create an online home for my daily blogs that I know so many of you who follow my personal social media and my Instagram account in particular love the, the daily blogs that I put up. I want to have an online home for them. I want to have an online home for a lot of my personal content that's not related to you know, the MJ Fitness business or the Team J Apparel business. Um, and then we've spoken about this in past episodes is something that I've been working on throughout this year is my daily accountability calendars. And so I want to have a place that, that you guys can, can purchase those when they go live. Um, so the website, josephmensell.com, literally my name, .com. Uh, and if you guys go, it's not, the website itself is not live just yet. 
But if you go to josephmetzel.com, there's like a, there's a holding page and a little pop-up that comes up and you can sign up. So pop your first name, your last name, your email address in there and you'll be the first to know when my blogs go to an email and you can have them delivered directly to your, um, to your inbox. Um, you can also, you'll be the first to know when the daily accountability calendars go live. You'll be the first to know when anything important happens. Um, so for those of you who are interested, and obviously I won't spam you, like I just don't fucking do that because I hate it when I get spammed myself. Um, so it's just going to be valuable content. But for those of you who are interested, josephmedcell.com, go sign up, pop your details in there and, um, and I'll keep you guys in the loop. Awesome. Brandon, four questions. Let's get stuck in. Let's go. Question one. I'm currently 18, finishing school, and entrepreneurship is something I want to do. How do you recommend getting started in the fitness market? I'd love to start my own gyms, but I don't think I'll be able to get the funding to start at my age. Do you think trying to start a gym is a plausible starting point, or should I pursue another endeavor, or should I try and get employed to begin with? There's a few parts of this question that I think are worth unpacking. Um, and you know, obviously the context is uh, a, a teenager finishing school trying to choose a career path effectively. But my answers I'm gonna try and make relatable to anybody who's considering entrepreneurship at any stage of life. Firstly, you don't choose entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship chooses you. And what I mean by that is you either have an entrepreneurial streak or you don't. And it's black and white. There's no fucking gray area here. And I think a lot of people get confused with that because at the moment, and over probably the last five years, entrepreneurship has been on a fucking pedestal. Uh, and it hasn't been like that. Like that's not normal of entrepreneurship, right? From a career path perspective, what has historically been on a pedestal is working for someone else and having a professional career. And you know whether that professional career is in a trade, for example, or um, in a, um, being like a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or working for the government or whatever it is, that historically, up until pretty much the last five, let's call it 10, let's call it 10 years, up until the last 10 years, that's been on a pedestal. For some reason, well not for some reason, I know exactly why, social media has for some reason put entrepreneurship on a fucking pedestal and it's like now, you know, that's what you want to be and anybody can be an entrepreneur, you just have to, you know, commit to the process and do the work and, you know, all of these buzz, buzz terms that do have a lot of value to them and we speak about them a lot but in this context they use as buzz terms to put entrepreneurship on a pedestal and it's just, it, you've either got it or you don't. And specifically in this situation, you're 18, you're finishing school, you're considering a career path. Entrepreneurship is not a career path. You're either an entrepreneur or you're not. You don't choose it, it chooses you. The second thing is about this funding element. And once again, this ties back into primarily social media and mass, mass media as well. Uh, Getting funding to start a business is not entrepreneurship at a grassroots level. Once again, it's black and white. It's just fucking not. Entrepreneurship at a grassroots level is bootstrapping the fuck out of a business idea and figuring out. Like entrepreneurship ultimately is seeing a problem, finding a solution, and figuring out how to make that solution come to life. That's it. 
And when you start, especially as a, as a teenager, you have to bootstrap. Because if you think about how funding works, you want somebody to fund your business idea, whether it's coming from an investor or private equity, or I mean, launching an IPO and going public, right? Any scenario, you're taking on other people's money to fund your idea, and those people are gonna expect a return on that money they're giving you. At, at, at a very basic level, that's it. So what are you gonna offer in return for them saying, yes, I believe you're the person that can give me return on my investment? The only thing you can offer is experience. And if, you've, if you don't have any entrepreneurial experience, who the fuck is gonna invest in you? It's just not gonna happen. So grassroots entrepreneurship, especially for new entrepreneurs, is bootstrapping. It's not taking on private equity and investment and, and um, you know, A rounds and B rounds and C rounds and, and all this fucking bullshit. That may come as an entrepreneur 10 years down the track, 20 years down the track, 30 years down the track, when you have actual entrepreneurial experience to put on the table. But when you start, you have nothing to put on the table. The third part in this question is about starting a gym as as an entrepreneurial venture, the gym business straight up is a very difficult business. I know firsthand because I have a lot of friends, I have a lot of business associates, I've even mentored people in the gym business. It's a really fucking hard business. I would go so far as to say it's not a very good business. It's not a business that I would ever be interested in getting into. So I think just kind of hold that. There's a lot of things you can do in the fitness space that are much better businesses than running a gym. Mm -hmm. And then I think just finally, like a lot of these questions in the, in the realm of entrepreneurship are, are, are the wrong questions to be asking. The right questions to be asking, if you do have the entrepreneurial streak, is what are you passionate about? What do you want to do? Because entrepreneurship is really fucking hard. It's really fucking hard. It's a lot harder than people make it out to be. It's a lot harder than whoever you see on fucking Instagram or TikTok putting it up on a pedestal saying this is the best shit ever. I get to work for myself, choose my own hours, make all this money. It's just not fucking true. It's really hard. And the only way that you're going to succeed if you have an entrepreneurial streak is to pursue what it is you're passionate about. So that's the question you need to be asking. If you have the streak, what am I passionate about? Go and pursue that. If you haven't found what you're passionate about, you're 18 fucking years old. Go and try as many different things as you possibly can until something clicks. Yep, awesome stuff. Question two. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> you don't wanna add anything? No, like I was gonna, my follow-up was gonna ask if you, if you, eat, you said that you either have the streak or you don't. Yeah. And it comes naturally in. If this person knows they want to own their own gym or own their own business, yeah. is there a way to gain that streak? But you kind of um, answered it towards the end with just find what you're passionate about. Uh, yeah. Look, sort man, of. like you, you know if you have it, right? Like I, and to go back to when I was when I was this age or even younger, right? I before I even knew what an entrepreneurial streak was, I had an entrepreneurial streak. So I used to do shit like I was like like year eight, year nine, so 13, 14 years old in school. And I, just an example of one of the things I used to do. 
go get a 30 pack of um, cans of Coca-Cola from the supermarket. And it used to cost me like 20, let's call it a dollar a can, right? And then I noticed that the tuck shop at school was selling the same cans of Coke for like $3 a can. So I used to buy them for a dollar a can, unload the cans into my backpack, a fucking 30 kilo backpack, walk it into school, go shove it in my locker, and then undercut the tuck shop and sell to all of my friends for $2 a can. Right, so I'd make 30 bucks a day selling cans of Coke. Like little shit like that. I didn't even know what it was at the time, but I was like, okay, I can see a problem. Here's a solution. Can I figure out how to offer the solution to, to, to the market? Yes, I can. I went and did it. That's an entrepreneurial streak. Mm. You either naturally gravitate to that sort of thing or you don't, right? The second thing is like when I was this age, and this is what I talk about like over the last five, 10 years, when I was this age, like entrepreneurship was not cool. Entrepreneurship was kind of like what you did if you, were, if, if you had this kind of like streak, but it wasn't something that was valued. It was like, ah, oh, you're gonna go run your own business. Oh, fuck, I'm gonna go study and be a lawyer. Mm. Or I'm gonna go study and be a doctor. Or I'm gonna go and get a government job with all the security and the benefits and the holidays and all that shit that goes along with it. And you're gonna be the shit kicker entrepreneur. So, like it's just changed so much, man. Mm. But from the street perspective, like if the signs are there, you'll know they're there. Yeah. If they're not there, don't fucking push it. Yeah. Because you're just gonna fall flat in your face. That would have been tough for you coming up. Yeah. With the obviously you had you were studying. Um, yeah. You were still at school. And yeah. Then you were studying. A well, because I, I like. I'm quite academically inclined as well. Like to me, like ac the academic side of things. I wouldn't say it came easy because I worked I, like I worked my fucking ass off in school and university, but like I knew how to study and I knew how to retain information and I knew how to get good grades. So I did have good grades and I could I could go like I literally at university, I studied like I'm qualified to be a lawyer and qualified to be an engineer. So I studied all that shit. But then the entrepreneurial thing just fucking kept pulling me back. So I'm like, fuck. Do I do this stuff that's on a pedestal or do I lean into like what just keeps pulling me back, lean into my passion and, and obviously I chose the latter. So, yeah. but yeah, it was incredibly conflicting. Yeah. Cool. Next question. How can one build muscle and lose fat at the same time? Oh, man, we need to invent a supplement that does this, hey? <laughs> oh, it's an age old question. Um, look, the only way you can really do this, this like this pure, um, I guess the buzzword now is recompositioning, mm -hmm. right? Is, is um, building muscle and losing fat at the same time and effectively increasing the percentage of your body mass that is muscle and decreasing the percentage of fat and that occurring at the same time. It's really only gonna happen when you're new to resistance-based training. Right, and you're new to the fitness lifestyle, and there might be a period of like six months where you're recomping because your body's being introduced to muscle building stimulus for the first time, and you're actually monitoring what you're eating, so you're probably in a caloric deficit. Most cases in the caloric deficit, you're not gonna build muscle, but because your muscle's being um, stimulated for the very first time, being exposed to that stimulus, you're probably gonna build a bit of muscle. That's pretty much it, man. Like, aside from that, Here's the thing, Brandon. To build muscle, you have to be in a caloric surplus, which means you have to be consuming more calories than your body requires in any 24-hour period. 
if you're not in a caloric surplus, you don't, your body doesn't have, it's thermodynamics, your body doesn't have the material to build anything with. To burn fat, you have to be in a caloric deficit, which is the opposite of a caloric surplus. You need to be consuming less calories than your body requires in a 24 hour period. Once again, laws of thermodynamics, it's the only way that your body's gonna give up matter. It has to be less there. You can't be in a surplus and a deficit at the same time. Mm. It's one or the other. Yeah. So if you're in a surplus and you're trying to build muscle, you have to understand that some fat, fat gain is gonna come along with it. If you're in a deficit, you're trying to lose fat, you have to understand that your body's not gonna build muscle at the same time. That's mm. it. Yeah. Newbie games, man, they're a beautiful thing. <laughs> like there's no, there's, I, I wish there was a way to explain that any other way or there was like some way to circumvent it or some way to like that not to, 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 that not to. Almost going to be negligible. Like it's going to be very, it's not going to be noticeable. Yeah. Um, so you do need to be in a surplus or or a maintenance, but yeah, it's it's pretty much is mainly if you if you're new to training, newbie gains. I've, I've, I don't know if you. What about if you have, haven't trained for a while? Let's say you've, you haven't trained for a year or two, and you've you've let yourself go a bit. Um, Look, I don't think I don't think that you'll build new muscle, and this is where we start talking about like muscle, muscle memory, memory and these yeah. sorts of things, right? Is you'll probably get back to the amount of muscle that your body had before you took time off training, mm -hmm. and you can probably lose some excess fat at the same time, but you're not going to be building new muscle in a deficit, yeah. Especially if you're a seasoned yeah, trainer, yeah. you know, even yeah. if you've taken time off, like you, you, you the newbie thing is gone, yeah, <laughs> it's not coming back, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, to your point, because you mentioned like a maintenance or a slight deficit or a slight surplus, like the old school thinking in fitness was to build muscle, you needed to be in a massive surplus. Bulk. You, bulk, right? Like that was the word. It was like, are you bulking or are you cutting? That was it. Like the bulking thing just has been disproven, you know, beyond a doubt now. Yeah you don't need to be in a massive surplus to build muscle. Like literally, if, like, the best way I can explain it is, is um, to go from like a caloric deficit to a caloric surplus, for most people, depending on where your calories are at, would literally be like a glass of full cream milk. That's it. Mm. If you have the milk, let's call it, you know, three, 400 calories, you're in a surplus. If you don't have the milk, you're in a deficit. That's the, those are the sorts of things that we're playing with here. Mm. You don't have to be in a massive surplus to build muscle. It just needs to be like 5%, 10% if you're a hard gainer, 15% if you're, a, if you're like 40 kilos dripping wet. And then likewise, you don't have to be in a massive deficit to lose body fat, right? And the further the deficit, yeah, you'll lose body fat quicker, but you'll also probably lose muscle at the same time. Mm. So, we're, you know, it's slight surplus to build muscle, slight deficit to burn fat, and the most important thing is consistency over time. Yeah. So can you maintain the surplus for a sufficiently long period of time to build muscle? Can you maintain the deficit for a sufficiently long period of time 
to burn fat and lose the weight you want to lose. Yep. I'd recommend to everyone as well, um, find your maintenance as well and then tweak, go, go up by a few hundred calories if you want to, if you really want to focus on building muscle mm. and um, improving your strength. If you want to cut um, and it's not like a, not real aggressive cut and you don't, you're not cutting for like, you need to get shredded in fucking four, eight weeks. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a long game. So find your um, maintenance calories. We actually do have a good tool. Um, literally just search up on Google, Massive Joe's TDEE mm-hmm. calculator or Massive Joe's macro calculator. Yep. Find your macro, um, find your maintenance calories. That's what you, that's pretty much just what you need to consume each day to maintain. Maintain. Yeah. Um, not lose any weight, not gain any weight. Yeah. Um, and then just adjust it from there. 100%. Next question. How do you know when to let go from your first marriage to know it's over? Just going through something similar. Ooh, this is a deep question. <laughs> this is this going to open up some old... No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think, uh, look, f- firstly, you know, there's, there's elements of this that I've spoken about publicly and there's elements that I haven't and I probably never will because, you know, nobody likes airing dirty laundry and, you know, doesn't benefit anyone. But I think it's important to answer this question just to go back to when my first marriage broke down, there were really kind of two crucial parts to it. So the first time that that it was like, okay, th- this is over and we need to separate um, was uh, we effectively started living separately, right? So I went out and lived somewhere else and my ex-wife lived in our um marital home Uh, and that period of time lasted for uh shit i gotta go back now let's say like a few months um and then there was an attempt to reconcile uh and the end of that attempt was really when i consider that it like that was it like that at that point that was when it was like okay there is no coming back from this and i guess for me, and that's what I'm going to anchor into is that's that ultimate, like, this is over. For me, um, the reason why after the initial separation, I wanted to go back and see if we could make things work was it comes back to a concept that I call regret mitigation. And in this context, well, regret mitigation generally, the way that I describe regret, re- the way that I describe regret mitigation, it's a tongue twister. The way that I describe regret mitigation is given a choice of different paths, which path is going to lead to the least amount of regret? One of the things I hate is when people say no regrets. It's fucking bullshit. You're going to regret something. So when you put different regrets up against each other, which one are you going to regret less? So for me, I had two choices right? When I was trying to reconcile. The first one was, if I don't go back, am I going to, or how would I feel about the regret associated with not trying everything I could possibly try to make this marriage work? That's option one. Or option two, if I do go back and I invest the time, the effort, the energy in trying to make this marriage work, will I regret the time that I've lost in life in general? Because that's going to take a lot of time, effort, energy. And for me, it was like, fuck, I do, I do not want to be on my deathbed and asking myself why I didn't try everything I could try to make that marriage work. 
So ultimately, when it comes to regret mitigation, that's why I went back and tried to make it work. Now to go to when I knew it was over. When I got to the point where I had given everything that I had to give, like I left no fucking stone unturned. I left nothing on the table. I was all in. I was like, I've done, the, I've done everything. I've done marriage counseling. I've done um, negotiating on things that were important to me. I've done um, you know, separate living arrangements. I've done everything that I, like literally everything that, that I could do, I did, and it still didn't work. And the big thing for me was there, was, there were not many, but there were, I could count them on one hand, there were very few things that I was like, you can ask me to do and accept pretty much anything, but there's certain things that are non-negotiables. Very simple, basic things that I, for myself and, and my self-worth and um, who I am as a person, I just, I cannot negotiate on. And she had the same. And when those things were not met, and when I had to negotiate on those things, that's where I was like, this is, this is never going to work. And when I got to that point, it was about accepting that it wasn't going to work. Ultimately, it was acceptance. It was, I'm at a point now, I've done everything I can possibly do, from a regret mitigation perspective, I've gone all in, no stone unturned, nothing left on the table, it's still not working, and I'm having to negotiate on my non-negotiables, I just have to accept that it's never gonna work. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. You mentioned that your, you've mentioned before that your divorce um, sparked your personal development journey. Yeah. How did the process of letting go lead to your personal growth and what changes did you see in yourself during that time? Uh, man, I made a lot of mistakes in my first marriage. Like, ultimately, like the fact that I can sit here publicly and admit that, I think probably speaks volumes. Um, but I made a lot of mistakes. And I, you know, there's, there's two ways that you can go about that. Is the first one is you can point the finger at somebody else or the situation or like whatever you point the finger, there's three pointing back at you. So ultimately, you need to accept responsibility for the part that you played and figure out where the fuck you went wrong and how you can learn from your mistakes, apply those lessons and get better. Yeah. With great responsibility comes great power. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, that was just a huge step in the personal development direction for me was was accepting the role that I played in that um, and really kind of diving deep into like, you know, how, how can I learn from what was one of the most traumatic things that has ever happened in my life? Like definitely my biggest adult trauma was was going through a divorce. Um, so I think for me, you know, that, that was just, uh, that was a catalyst for, like I'd, I'd always be interested in personal development and trying to get better in, in business and obviously in fitness, right? And, and in relationships in general. But for me, it was like, okay, I'm, I, this is getting, like I'm gonna go one or two ways here. I'm either gonna fucking like shrink down 
and 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 um, collapse into a black hole and just you know blame this and blame that and and you know nothing's my fault and I'm not going to change. I'm just going to be the person I am and fuck this and fuck that and you know this is bullshit and and that sort of reaction. Or I'm going to accept it for what it is. I'm going to accept the responsibility and the part that I played. I'm really going to dig deep, as uncomfortable as it is, to figure out where I fucked up. Take the lessons, apply the lessons, and get better. Awesome stuff. That brings us perfectly into the last question. Question four. How can someone develop a growth mindset and continue to improve and learn throughout their career? I'm going to ask you this question first, Brandon. I'm literally. I'm just going to. I'm going to. No, I'm, going to I'm going to flip it on you because, like, I, you know, the the culture that I've tried to curate within this company is a culture of growth and and personal development. So I can answer from my perspective how I think you curate that sort of culture and how I think throughout a career you continue to develop a growth mindset and, 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 um, and continue to learn and improve. But I'm interested to hear from your perspective mm-hmm. how you go about it. Yeah. Because I, like I, you know, from um, where I'm sitting, like you've had huge leaps and bounds in your personal development and, and in um, you know, really developing quite a fierce growth mindset. So I'm interested to know how you've done it. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot, of, a lot of the lessons have come directly from you. Um, you, I mean, I saw your book recommendation a long time ago, Mindset by mm-hmm. Carol Dweck. So I'll first, I'll first plug that book because I think you need, it's something you need to read. Um, it's essential reading. It's essential reading to yeah. understand fixed, gro- uh, fixed mindsets, growth mindsets, mm-hmm. um, and I won't do it justice. Um, yeah, just learning about those two mindsets and then how to adapt a growth mindset. Well, the first step's awareness, right? And like, you know, people talk about growth mindset mm-hmm. because once again, it's one of these fucking buzzwords on social media, but a lot of people don't understand what it is. So the Bible on fixed and growth mindset is Dr. Carol Dweck's book called Mindset. Mm-hmm. Go and read it, or if you're not into reading, listening to, listen to the audio book. But that is like, that's awareness. Awareness, yeah. That's going, what is a fixed mindset? What is a growth mindset? And understanding that. Yeah, and then there's practice and mastery. Um, and you've said it before as well, um, identify yourself as a learner first mm-hmm. and foremost. Mm-hmm. If you label yourself a learner, then you'll inevitably become an earner. Um, so always just, just have that at the forefront of your mind all the time. And I, but I think you need, to, you need to adapt a growth mindset in all areas of your life, not just, not just your career and then um, just expect you to just be the same outside of work and, because it will trickle into, into your work, into your career as well. But just, I just started seeing challenges as an opportunity to grow, and it's so easy to to say it. But you need, you really need to practice it, um, and like Joe said, you need to become aware of it. Um, seeing failures as well as an opportunity to learn and improve, and just realize nothing's set in stone. Like you can, you can grow in every single area of your life, and people think because they're not good at something or they failed at something at some time and that's set in stone and that's just, it's just bullshit. 100%. Yeah. I, um, 
Uh, this is why I need my website live. Yeah. <laughs> josephmedsoft.com. I could literally put what I'm about to talk about on my website and host it there rather than telling you guys to go and Google it. But I'm going to tell you to go Google it. Yeah, because um, I'm keen to hear your... Because I I practice it every day, yeah. um, but I find it a bit hard to, to articulate. Yeah, uh, That's why I plugged the book at the beginning because yeah. reading that, I, I, it's a book that I want to revisit as well because it's yeah. something that you can read a few times and really just... So I came across this chart it's called, and this is why I want you guys to go Google because I don't have a website that I can host this shit on yet. Um, it's called the Mindset Continuum. 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 Elements of mindset and then plotting it on a chart and going okay on one end of the chart is a fixed mindset and on the other end of the chart is a high growth mindset so he's got one two three four he's got eight different elements here the first one is worldview the second one is challenges the third one is encountering difficulty and obstacles then there's effort feedback and criticism the success of others making mistakes, and what do you do when you're offered help and support? And so what I try and do here is I look at the high growth elements of each of these different scenarios, and I kind of go, okay, am I, am I there yet? Or do I have a bit of work to do? And so when you go through them, I'm not gonna go through all eight of them, you guys can go Google it, find the chart, and, um, and, and do it in your own time. But Challenges, for example, because you mentioned challenges. Well, somebody with a high growth mindset is going to embrace challenges, right? And use them as an opportunity to grow and develop and really embrace that becoming a learner. Effort, for example. Somebody with a high growth mindset is going to look at effort as a path to mastery, right? So the more effort I have to exert in trying to achieve something, the better I'm going to get at exerting effort in trying to achieve that, right? It's not a means to an end. It's actually the effort is where the value is. That would be a high growth mindset. Something that I, that I personally struggle with, right? Offered help and support. Somebody with a high growth mindset is gonna purposely seek out effort and support, right? And, and when they come up with a, when you come up against a situation where you really don't know what to do, somebody with a high growth mindset will actually go and seek out support, mentorship, guidance from somebody who they think is gonna be able to help them get through that situation. That's something that like I still, you know, I, I consider myself to have quite a high growth mindset, but in that situation, like I very rarely ask for help. I'm just like, oh, fuck it, I'll figure it out. Well, you know, there's work to be done there from my perspective as, as identifying someone who achieves to identifying as someone who learns and really kind of getting to the next level of that growth mindset. So I think I really want you guys to go and have a look at this. And, and like, that's, this is what I asked you guys to do that Monday morning meeting. Mm -hmm. I printed out this and I said, rank yourself. Yep. Rank yourself on each of the different elements of the eight elements. Where do you sit on a scale of fixed mindset to high growth mindset? And nobody was high growth with, with all of them. Mm -hmm. Which means all of us, even though the culture we've created 
really pushes us towards that high growth mindset, no one's there just yet. So there's work that can be done. So I think back to the question, how can someone develop a growth mindset and continue to improve and learn throughout their career? Awareness is the first step. The second step, as you kind of mentioned, is practice and mastery by continuously ranking yourself on these sorts of things. Where am I at when it comes to my worldview? Where am I at when it comes to my challenges? Where am I at when it comes to my effort? And if you're not in high growth, any opportunity you get, you come up against a challenge, you come up against an obstacle, you encounter feedback and criticism, you come up against a situation that you don't know what the solution is. That's where you need to go, okay, what does a high growth mindset look like in this particular situation? Let me act, respond, put myself in a, in a position where I can exert or at least try to exert a high growth mindset and really kind of push yourself. Mm -hmm. well, ultimately, like that's it. That's, that's kind of how you do it. Yeah, good shit. And identify, and the, the last part is, is really identify as a learner. Mm -hmm. You know, um, try and push yourself in that direction as much as possible um, in, in every different scenario. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's it. That's a wrap. It is. Four questions. Fantastic. Episode 98 is a wrap. Done, man. Oh, man. We, we really got to get our skates on for this episode 100, though. Yeah, I know. Now we do. Yeah. Brandon, thank you so much um, once again for picking the four questions uh, and, and um, a really good broad episode with these questions. Uh, if the listeners, the viewers have a question that they'd like to submit, where's the best place? Send them through to me on Insta. Yep. Um, just Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, Verde, yep. V-E-R-D-E. Mm -hmm. No full stops, no spaces. Well, you can't have spaces in an Instagram <laughs> handle anyway. <laughs> just first and last name. Um, yeah, just DM to me. Yeah, send, send them through to Brandon. Um, he collates them. He pulls four broad questions, and that's how we, um, we pull these shows together. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much, man, for putting those questions together and um, for your responses and follow-up questions and, and whatnot. Thank you. Guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, the one thing that we ask in return is that you share the show. Um, take a screenshot on your favorite podcasting platform, whether you're listening at the moment on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever platform, it doesn't matter. Take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram story. If you're watching it on YouTube. If you're watching it on YouTube, take a screenshot of myself or Brandon. <laughs> post it in your Instagram story. Tag both of us in it. We love to see those tags and we like to reshare as many of them as we possibly can. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now. You chose to be here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode. <laughs>